0: The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at Christ the King Catholic Church in South Bend, Indiana, a parish of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the scripture upon which it was based. While the content is the same as the homily preached, it has been recreated for the quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time... Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus reached the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. For today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly, and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord Well, this is always an entertaining little story about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. To fully appreciate it, we have to unpack the details a bit. According to the Gospel, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And as we know from other stories of this era, the tax collectors were Jews who collected taxes for the occupying Romans and were despised by most other Jews, not only because they were considered traitors, but also because many of them made additional money by defrauding the people and extracting more in taxes and interest than they were entitled. As chief tax collector in the area, Zacchaeus would have been in a position to choose to deal with the wealthier citizenry, allowing for greater profits and also may have been able to take a cut from the other tax collectors, both of which would have contributed to his wealth. So as bad as tax collectors were in general, Zacchaeus was likely worse than most. It appears this wealthy tax collector's only interest in Jesus at the beginning of the story is one of curiosity. Here comes this local rock star prophet, generating quite a buzz and a large crowd, And in spite of his wealth and position, Zacchaeus is willing to climb a tree just to get a look, not letting his size or position stand in the way of seeing what all the fuss is about. But Jesus really rocks his world by calling him down and telling him he wants to stay at his house. And as most people in Zacchaeus' position would, Zacchaeus is flattered by the attention shown him and welcomes Jesus with joy to his house. But somewhere between the tree and the dinner, Zacchaeus has an up-close experience with Jesus that goes beyond just seeing the popular new prophet. We know this because Zacchaeus suddenly declares that he is going to donate half of his wealth to the poor and pay back those he extorted. And we can presume there were many, four times what he stole from them. A man whose existence that up to this point had been centered on money, is in mere moments dramatically transformed into Johnny Be Good. We don't hear Jesus preaching to him, giving him any profound insights into the law and the prophets. It simply occurs by virtue of his getting up close with Jesus, the Lord of the universe. Zacchaeus doesn't let his small stature get in his way, he doesn't let the condemnation of the crowds or his past sinfulness block his path to salvation. He simply experiences the physical presence of the Lord and becomes a changed man. I think this is important because in a very short while, Jesus is going to say to each one of us, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house, as he invites us to receive him in the Eucharist. But in spite of what the church has taught us for 2,000 years, what we have been told since we first became Catholics, and what we are now trying to reaffirm through the Eucharistic revival, for some of us, this up-close encounter has not changed our lives dramatically, but very little, if at all. And as I reflected on the contrast between the Zacchaeus encounter with Jesus and our encounters with Jesus in the Eucharist, I wondered if the difference might be due in part to a particular dilemma some of us might find ourselves in. This dilemma is brought about when our prior treatment and lack of full appreciation of the Eucharist stands in the way of our coming to a more complete, enlightened acceptance of this most precious gift. Let's face it, this belief that Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, is fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the form of this small host of bread, this chalice of wine, is not an easy concept to get our heads around. I mean, this is the God that the first reading from wisdom describes as the Lord, who before him, the whole entire universe, is as a single piece of grain or a single drop of morning dew. So if the whole universe is a piece of grain or a drop of dew before the Lord, then is it any wonder some may have a hard time believing he is here now, and loves us each deeply and personally to the point of humbling himself to come to us in the form of bread and wine so we can receive him physically into our bodies and worship him in the flesh that truth and i have come to believe it with my whole heart mind and soul is absolutely awesome but because it is so awesome we may, for a variety of reasons, have found it hard to fully comprehend and accept. And as a result, our past treatment of the Eucharist may have been something less than appropriate, and may have included one or several of the following. And I am not proud to say I have probably at one time or another in my life done all of these things, not genuflecting when crossing in front of the tabernacle, Being distracted or thinking about something else as we approach the altar or after we receive. Not observing the one-hour fast. Talking ourselves out of having committed serious sin. Minimizing it, justifying it, and outright denying it so we can come up to receive anyway, even though we know we might well not be in a state of grace. We let the world rather than the church define serious sin or minimize the church's teaching on transubstantiation. We come to church out of obligation, rather than out of a desire to see, hear, and receive Jesus. We receive the host in a perfunctory, routine manner, without a bow or due reverence, as if we were getting a bulletin from an usher on the way out of Mass. The problem is that if that is our personal history, Then coming to realize the truth, the reality of Jesus' actual body, blood, soul, and divinity presence, may present us with a dilemma. If we now seek to fully accept and believe it, we have to acknowledge how we have failed to do so in the past. But if we don't want to deal with the discomfort of the shame and remorse that comes with recognizing those failures, and we push that truth away as a result, we will continue to cut ourselves off from experiencing this most wonderful reality here, present, and going forward. Well, if any part of that dilemma resonates with any of you, I have great news. The same Jesus, God of the universe, when he instituted the Eucharist, did not do it as a standalone gift, but as a part of the Paschal mystery that includes the greatest act of mercy and forgiveness in the history of humankind, his passion, death, and resurrection. This is my body, which will be given up for you. This is my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is this very body and blood we receive in the Eucharist that was offered on the cross so that no matter what we have done or failed to do in the past, that now confronts us, once it is repented and confessed, is wiped away, gone for good. There is no way that whatever sin we have, mortal or venial, that God will not forgive it, and it would be a great misfortune to let our past actions stand between us and the fullness of Jesus' precious gift, of his body and blood that is part and parcel of his paschal sacrifice. So let nothing keep us from coming to know Jesus in the fullness of the Eucharist, as we follow the lead of Zacchaeus and as we embrace the words of Paul to the Thessalonians, that our God may make us worthy of his calling and powerfully bring to fulfillment every good purpose and every effort of faith, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in us and us in him, in accord with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Joe 2017 at gmail.com.